We are on. Good morning, guys. How's it going? Uh, welcome to everybody. Everybody listening in, I hope you uh, enjoyed today's show. I've got some fantastic guests from around the world here today, uh, an international panel. It's not just me. So I've got a few mates from uh, the Southern Hemisphere and the Northern Hemisphere, and I will just go around and introduce them and then get everybody to just give a quick um, sort of analysis of where they are, you know, how, how long they've been involved in the rugby, what they do at their club, etc. and then we'll get stuck into it. So I'll go from um, around the world. So we've got Nick Turnbull, we have got Philly in Fiji, we've got Hamish down in New Zealand, the deep, dark South Canterbury area. We have got Noel in Bradford, probably about five minutes drive for me, actually. Um, so welcome, guys. Nick, do you want to kick us off, mate? Um, give us a bit of a background about you and uh, your journey so far. Yeah, mate. Uh, firstly, uh, good to see you. Uh, thanks very much for having me on. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, I live in Brisbane, in Queensland, uh, Australia. Um, I've been in, around the game as long as I can remember, uh, since I was a little tacker. So rugby um, has been a massive part of my life and, and continues to be so. Um, and presently, um, I'm coaching uh, a set piece for reserve grade for the uh, West Bulldogs in uh, Brisbane. And pre-season's just started, really. And uh, it's great to be back after uh, watching a bit of the cricket. So in a nutshell, that's me, mate. And just just briefly, outside of rugby, um, your your journey outside of rugby. Yeah, um, I um, left school. Just uh, rugby was consistent. Um, tried a few different things as we all do, but I uh, found my way in life uh, through both the New South Wales and Queensland uh, police forces, uh, which I'm currently in the Queensland Police, and I work as a prosecutor during the day. So, um, which gives me time to coach rugby and uh, do the wife's list sometimes. <laughs> Excellent. Well, it's great to have you on board, mate. Cheers. Philly, what about you? Tell us a bit about you. Um, well, um, well, everyone. Um, I'm, uh, my name is Philly Money. I'm from the uh, beautiful islands of Fiji. Um, I've been involved in, uh, well, I played rugby for about, uh, I think, probably 18 years, from the age of 14 right up to 33. I never got the chance to play overseas. Um, if I had gone, I don't think so, I would have come back to Fiji. Um, I currently, I started off as a strength and conditioning coach for the coach that I'm currently coaching under. Um, so we started in 2018, um, had done my um World Rugby SNC Level 1. So he asked me to um, help him with the, the provincial side that played in the second division eh? or the second tier of our uh, provincial rugby in Fiji. After that, I went, um, I do, uh, I'm a personal trainer uh, by trade. So I went back, uh, we did that for about two years, 2018, 2019. Then I went back, uh, I stopped, went back to work. Then, uh, so my head coach, Sarah Mambay, he had played professional rugby for, for a bit. Um, then he uh, started up a club uh, here in Suva, so I'm based in Suva, the capital of Fiji. And then 2020, just before um, the COVID lockdowns, he had asked me to come in to be his SNC again. 
And then um, he saw that I was also always involved with our forwards. I played uh, uh, the best position in rugby, which is a tight head prop. Um, so uh, then he asked me to help out with the forwards. And then um, opportunity presented itself uh, during the COVID lockdowns. Uh, we had, uh, well, uh, the Fiji Rugby Union had us on um, doing our level ones on, on Zoom. So got that done uh, last year, got my level to this year, uh, last year as well. In June, I have my assessment for my level threes um, in March. So, yes, uh, but apart from that, yeah, I enjoy um, I enjoy what I do now. I enjoy being a, being a forwards coach. I'm also involved with our... So we generally have a pathway in our team. So we start right from under nines to under 18. So I'm in charge of our under 18s now, just to make sure we have quality control over the players that come up to our courts and up to our big team. So I do that uh, on the other days. But, um, yeah, learned a lot. Um, learned a lot from uh, the guys on the podcast today um, uh, via our previous interaction. So, yeah, I see myself tweaking it from uh, from personal training to full-time coaching because I have to sacrifice one of those. I can't do both at the same time. Anyway, that's it about me. So you go from um, taking raw talent um beasts and turning them into absolute beasts um so they can go and pummel everybody else around the world <laughs> great to have you on board mate great to have you on board hey Mish, let us know what's going on with you mate thank you craig how you going there guys thanks very much for having me on craig um i'm hamish i'm from a small place in middle of south island new zealand called fairly um, dairy farmer by trade. So for the last, I can't remember actually, for a long time I've been a dairy farmer. Um, prior to that, something you wouldn't know, I worked as an accountant for the Church of England in London when I was on my OE. <laughs> so I was uh, based in behind Westminster Abbey and um, even got to, to get the Queen's chair one time and bring it over for a meeting they were having. So She's um, been a long road getting to where I am now and uh, still plenty to go on, on the track, I'd say. Um, so I've been mainly a, a senior men's coach um, with my local club and done a bit of rep stuff. Um, head coach for South Canterbury under-21 team last year and looking to do it again this year. And much like Philly, I'd love to you know, progress and, and, and make coaching more, more, more of a job than a hobby and um, look to see if we can get, get around the world in, in time. And so I'm focused on developing my my skills and, and learning all I can about rugby and, and coaching to um, advance that. And oh, look, I just love meeting meeting people and, and chewing the fat. So this is going to go great, I think. You know, I can't wait to just just talk shit, really. Let's get into it. <laughs> Excellent, mate. Hey, <laughs> um, it's great to have it at somebody on board to keep us in line and you know you always need a bean counter somewhere uh in the mix so it's it's interesting when you find out people's stories where they've been what they've done so yeah yeah not many people picked that i tell you <laughs> you threw me there mate <laughs> noel how are you where are you 
Good, good. Uh, currently residing in Harrogate, so North Yorkshire. Friend who lives up there, hence the uh, David Lawrence address on the uh, the video. Um, we were due to play here to today, but our opposition decided to cancel on us, so no game. Um, where do we where do we start? Spent twenty years in operations man management, um, managing people for twenty years, which was good fun. Good fun. Decided in two thousand and three. Uh, had enough of the UK, went to go live in Dublin, um, spent a couple of years over there, same sort of thing, my management, and then got bored of that, qualified as a PT. So started working as a PT in a gym over there, um, ended up managing the gym over there, and got into tutoring and assessing as well. Um, moved back to the UK in 2016, Continuing doing the same sort of thing, uh, working in exercise world of exercise and fitness, still tutoring and assessing PTs, gym instructors. Uh, Rugby-wise, played for my local team in Bradford, which you're now associated with Craig anyway. And whilst there, got into a bit of coaching there as well with juniors and stuff like that. Moved across to Ireland, had a really good mate who played over there, a team attached to the Aer Lingus, the airline. Coached them for a couple of years and then got into Trinity College uh, in Dublin, uh, university team, but they play in the national leagues over there. So pretty good standard uh, what they were playing. And that kind of opened my eyes a heck of a lot as to rugby because I was very used to the English way of playing. Irish way was completely different. And I'd say the first six months of that probably did my head in, in terms of how they played rugby. And it was run by an English guy. Um, but a brilliant, brilliant coach. Uh, since moving back to the UK, coach down in South Yorkshire, Doncaster for a couple of years. Currently back up in West Yorkshire coaching a senior ladies team, which is great fun. Excellent. And, and um, make sure you give us the Irish perspective as well, because that'll be quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I say, changed, changed my view of the world in terms of how to play rugby, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, look, from, from my point of view, I've played since I was about five or six, I think, uh, all the way through to uh, when I was 25 or 26, stopped playing because of concussion. Um, got three in one season, and it was on the, it was, I was about to take the next step into playing Waikato Bees and potentially moving on from there. But after um, sort of those three concussions, it was starting to take a bit of a toll. I remember taking one massive, uh, we were playing police rugby, so I was in the police as well, joined when I was 21. I remember playing one uh, police match down in New Plymouth, I think. And I was wearing headgear, I'd been playing at 12, took a, um, a knock, uh, took somebody's foot <laughs> over the back of my head. And when I took the headgear off, all that was left was the material that was keeping the foam and the you know, the inside material. So if it hadn't been for that, it would have been a pretty nasty injury. Um, but, you know, we've been over here in the UK for 15, 16 years now, been coaching the boys, uh, rugby, um, helped uh, to start up the junior section uh, at Bradford Salem where uh, Noel and I met and uh, some of the lads that we started with when they were 10, I think. Now playing first team rugby, five or six of them. The others have gone to university. Some will come back. 
uh, Kieran's in New Zealand playing as well. So that's been a real proud moment because the guys are the mainstay. You know, they're 21 now. They're going to be there for the next seven or eight, maybe 10 years. And just, you know, they're, they're getting into their stride playing sort of senior rugby in, in Yorkshire. Um, I started coaching seniors out at Skipton about five years ago and um, really enjoyed that. That was my first uh, role as coaching senior rugby. And that was a real eye-opener. So it was um, it was good work. It was hard work. Um, but then I was asked to take a step back in October. And so I've just started picking up um, the second team at Bradford-Salem again, which uh, was the first game last week, or yesterday, sorry. And uh, it's good to be back involved. It was good to have a break. I think we all know that the the time that you dedicate is hard work during the week. And between November and sort of this week has been nice to the Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, especially in season, to have a bit of a break and recharge. So, but for everybody who's listening in today, today is uh, the title is Blokes, Bullshit and Rugby. And, uh, you know, when you've got your mates here talking about uh, footy, yeah, we've got uh, Six Nations coming up as well. It's World Cup year. Uh, I think it's really exciting uh, just sitting around and chewing the fat with the guys. So for all of us, we all went through uh, the Canterbury Crusaders um, coaching courses. Uh, Nick, Hamish, uh, Philly and myself, we all went through with Grant Keenan in March, April last year. I really enjoyed it. And I know you guys did. And that's the reason why, you know, we're all here today. Noel's just gone through the most, wasn't the most recent course, was it? Yeah, October. Yeah, October's course. So we'll get you to touch on that. Um, actually, we'll do that now. So, boys, you want to go around and just give us a quick update on what you thought about uh, the course that we went through? Any highlights and recommendations of people listening in today, whether they may be on the verge of, you know, inquiring what it looks like? Who wants to jump in first? I'll go. Go on, Mel. Uh, biggest thing for me was, as a coach get to know your people. Um, I, uh, I was really interested, like they, they didn't talk anything at all really about rugby. It was more just get to know your people, understand your people. And if you understand your people, you'll get more out of them. You know, and brilliant, brilliant from that side of things. Brilliant, you know, and in, in a lot of ways, I was very glad they didn't talk about rugby. They talked about, I suppose, how to, how to get the most out of people and like um, I think it was one of the live sessions that they delivered um, I think with Robertson was like somebody asked a question what do you do with a, a guy who's an idiot might be a brilliant player but is an idiot and it was the answer was like we'll find out why he's an idiot you know and it was like brilliant you know go find that out because he might be the best player you've ever got you just don't understand him you know and that that I think that that side of things, you know, is a really, really good good thing to sort of come across, uh, and particularly like with coaching women now, um, has been, like, I suppose, had a really, really different approach with them. You know, like with the uh, with the women, it's they're very much a social team anyway, and it's making sure you they enjoy themselves socially and learn a little bit about rugby. You know, so. Yeah. That, that, that was the best thing that happened for me it was like you know more focus on the people understand them and get more out of them that way as opposed to just trying to be the best rugby expert in the world Nick what about you man? 
Uh, I really enjoyed just the connections. First and foremost, obviously meeting yourself and Hamish and Philly and the other guys on our I thought we had a really cohesive group. Um, and some of us have kept a more regular touch than others, but I did enjoy hearing uh, how other people come into the game and how they approach it as a coach. Uh, a little bit different to Noel, a couple of rugby really stood out for me uh, from the course. That was when Jason Ryan, current All Blacks boards coach, yeah. spoke to us and really rammed home that mindset, skill set, structure, pyramid of how to approach the game. And that really stuck with me. Um, and I really uh, bought into that um, as much as I can myself. And there was, I don't know if you let call an anecdote, uh, Sam Whitelock told us about when he went and saw the Foo Fighters play and Toddy Blackadder questioned him about it and said about the mistakes the Foo Fighters make and Sam asked what mistakes he goes exactly. You didn't yeah. see him kept on playing through their mistakes. And that anecdote and what Jason said and the connections are, and, and, and great and everybody were fantastic. But those those things, they're the, they're the things that have really stuck with me. And I really encourage anybody, even if you're not a Crusaders person, do that course. Um, it's, it's brilliant. Philly, your thoughts? Um, for me, it would be um, from a team perspective, it's like culture, like um, how you build a good culture for the team. And exactly what the other two gentlemen have just shared, the, um, how the Crusaders uh, build themselves, eh? how they build themselves as an organization. Um, that, are, that are employed by the Crusaders or the, the people that are involved in, in all levels from the um, Scott Hansen that was talking about how you approach a player when you try to um, discuss a mistake they make. So um, I took that to heart and I try to do that. I, I, I do that now. Um, we just had a warm-up game, uh, the club I'm with, uh, just yesterday. One of our players, uh, after saying that he understood everything for the past three weeks, went in and did the complete opposite for the 60 minutes. And when they came off, I had to go to him. I was walking straight to him uh, to, you know, just give him a... Nice talking to, but then I had to revert back to what we learned is like uh, what was his thought process, and then just uh, because at the end of the day, uh, we're trying to uh, get them to be better, better men basically, and empower them so that they can uh, do better on the rugby field. So, this is one of the things that I really transformed the way that I approach uh, coaching in Fiji because for us here. The players don't uh, hear the boss anything, but um, it's good with uh, Sir Mike Mai that's changing all. And with what the Crusaders have thought um, and how how successful they are, I'm a big Crusaders fan. And they just continue to be successful. So it was uh, um, great to be part of that and understand and see that, but how they value uh, the person, uh, the player as a person. And also, on top of that, uh, many other coaches from the different parts of the world. Yeah. So that was really, really good for me on a personal and a professional level as well. Cool. Amos? Crikey. For me, um, probably like player engagement was, it was a massive thing. You know, like getting, getting people engaged and contributing 
um, and comfortable to contribute. So getting them relaxed and feeling like they're part of something bigger than just themselves and then they can perform and they'll contribute and they'll add to the group. And um, I found that quite a powerful tool, which we used with our team last year. It's like, you know, when, when you're not a professional, um, you know, success has got a lot of different meanings, you know. Um, and if, you're, you know, if you focus on the engagement and people being valued and feeling like their time's useful, you know, time spent hasn't been wasted and they're enjoying themselves, then they'll really perform and you'll get, the results will come anyway. You know, they'll do the extra because they want to, they'll do the mahi, as we say, in New Zealand to try and to increase their skill set and be more useful to the team because they're feeling like they're part of a bigger thing. And, uh, and that was something Crusaders used, I think, from what I saw anyway, what I, what I took away. And it's really powerful at that professional level, but break it down to a, to a basic or, you know, a, a amateur level. It's absolutely just, just, just insanely good to, as a tool. And, um, and then you pull it to semi-professional level and use on the Black Ferns, they used that as a tool. They got, they got right into enjoyment and, and, and working hard for each other. And that's, that's how they ended up winning the World Cup last year. Huge part of it. If they hadn't have changed their focus, they wouldn't have got anywhere near that, that final. Yeah. So, so I, they're all really valid points um, that everybody's raised. Noel's course is a little bit different. It was the first one of its kind, wasn't it? Where it wasn't live sessions all the time. There were, there were recordings that were available. Um, yeah, two weeks of pre-recordings, then you had just the two live sessions with Robertson and Deans. Yeah, and ours were pretty full-on, you know, up in the middle of the night, sort of early hours, and Ushka was up at three in the morning or whatever it was in, in Sri Lanka. Uh, for me, it was, I, I thought, you know, the content was brilliant, um, and just being able to... Um, connect with your players like everybody's sort of acknowledged is it's the simplest thing it's the it's the obvious thing and for a lot of people it's the hardest thing and it's the one that's undervalued um and i learned that lesson sort of last year as well so it was it's uh, something that i will definitely um take away and continue to work on uh, and also being able to connect with with the the group as well because that was really interesting. Everybody's different, you know, journeys and how they um, came to being on the same course. Really, really cool. So if you get to listen to this and you're interested in doing the Crusaders course, jump on it because it's well worth it. You know, the money and time that you spent will be investment in yourself. And as Noel rightly said, it's not necessarily about rugby. Um, you know, it's about connection. It's about looking, managing people. And that's one of the reasons why I asked Grunter how many businesses were putting their managers on through the course because it goes well beyond rugby. So, right, let's get stuck into it, guys. Um, who wants to start us off? Southern Hemisphere, who are your picks for, not, for uh, the World Cup? Let's go. Let's talk about it. I know we've had a bit of brief banter about it already. Go on, Philly, you set us off. Uh, okay. So, so for the World Cup, I'd um, I'd go England for the win. Yeah. Uh, probably, 
<laughs> I don't know what the draws are. Probably they'll have a final with the French. Um, the All Blacks should have to be in there for, for my third. Uh, Springboks on the day. Um, match the physicality. I think they'll just they'll come in uh, fourth. Yeah, Irish fifth. I'm, I'm doubtful on the Irish because they they tend to reach the quarterfinals more often than than they do when it's the World Cup. Yeah, so yeah. Oh, Nick. Uh, but I won't. I think won't talk about the, the southern hemisphere guys uh, as requested. But um, the Irish, I think, are the team obviously to watch from the northern hemisphere after that uh, great series they had. Uh, down in your old neck of the woods, mate. And sorry to that in Hamish, but uh, it was quite a phenomenal series when you think about it. Um, and I actually think the French, I mean, obviously it's home for them, um, but there's a lot of pressure on uh, how well Fabian's team can digest that pressure. They, um, can they chew it or will they choke? Um, so I'm leaning towards the choke, to be honest with you, mate. Um, it might sound a wee bit disrespectful, but uh, I just I think the consistency of Irish um, will get them there. Uh, Occasion will outdo the French. Um, I think Gats will do a really good job with Wales and make them competitive, but I don't see uh, he's an excellent coach. What I can see, how's he going to evolve that old team that he's had? What, what's the evolution in their game? I think he's just going to get them to a competitive level. Uh, give them some respect, but um, and they could cause our Wallabies a lot of lot of grief in the pool. But uh, I just don't think Gats can evolve that Welsh team so quickly when he's an old coach coming back. But he's a wily customer, so he might prove me wrong. Um, uh, as for the Scots, um, they've been a real uh, danger team for the Wallabies for a long time now. I hope we don't have to cross paths with them. Uh, I think Gregor Townsend assembled a, a really solid outfit. It's, um, it's got the benefit of that cohesion of that, that Glasgow, uh, Edinburgh team. That's those teams largely uh, filling their squad uh, with some star players coming from outside of that. But they're a very um, cohesive unit that will cause anybody trouble on their day. But I just don't think they've got that depth to go all the way. Uh, the English, uh, they're just... Um, these guys know how to strangle you out of a game. I don't think that'll change. Borthwick, um, he's a clever cookie, that, that man. Um, his set piece will be on, on the money and he'll make sure that his, um, his back line, whatever it may be, are going to have some quality possession to play with. Uh, I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to how much Steve is trying to change what Eddie was doing in that short time. Um, and how much clarity he can get through to the group of how he wants to play it, because he's only got a small window, but they will they will be there or thereabouts. But um, uh, and look, Colt, he's got um, Italy, and yeah, they gave us a, a, be- a beating over there. Um, and he's got those guys playing fast and confident rugby, probably the best Italian rugby I can recall. Um, and look, they might not get out of the pool, but they will certainly cause some. They're going to cause somebody some trouble somewhere, oh, I sense the Italians. So um, I'll be leaning towards the Irish, keep an eye on the English um, and the French to choke. Sorry to my French friends. And my <laughs> French. My... <laughs> yes. 
Hey, Miss, what about you, mate? I think I think Nick summed it up pretty well, actually, to be fair. It's, it's real interesting with three um three of the top nations having new coaches just come in in the desk, you know, like with Gats and um Borfuck and and obviously Eddie kicking out Rennie down here. Um, that's gonna be real interesting to see what, what comes out of there. Um I don't know, the French the French have certainly been leading the way. You know, they're playing some pretty phenomenal rugby. The Irish, they too obviously are playing very, very well, and that'd be my pick as probably the top nation up there, but I don't think they've made a semi-final yet. So maybe they're going to be the chokers, Nick. They might finally choke again. Yeah, but but uh, but if they're going to choke, and I don't want to take up other people's time, but if they're going to choke, I thought they may have choked uh, down in your neck of the woods, mate. I just that that experience under the belt. <laughs> Sorry, it hurts a bit, but uh, um, just think about that experience. Because uh, remember, the French lads came down here last year. Um, they didn't send their best side, and we kind of gave them a bit of a bit of a go. Um, it's just something about being on that tour and what they learnt, um, and where they've got to go next. Because I think they're not a team that rests on their laurels. But, uh, there's something that. Some gem that's come out of that tour that's going to give them the resolve to really find that extra yard, extra centimetre when they need it. And I'm not too sure the French have really had that um, um, experience yet. Um, they've steamrolled some average teams over in the in the Six Nations. And they look really good. But they're going to come up against some, some fair-dinkum teams week in, week out. Uh, under that massive weight of expectation. And, you know, um, the French mindset, they will either kill you or kill themselves. You know, like, there'll be no, um, there'll be full throttle. Um, if anybody kills themselves, the Wallabies or the French. The, the Irish are on a path for the, um, either the French or the All Blacks, aren't they, for the quarter final? Oh, I'll have to take, I haven't looked at it that closely yet. Um, well, I'll thank take you. your advice on it. But, um, so that'd be interesting. Like, you know, I'd look at three of the three of the top four teams in the world are going to be, or two of those three teams from the top four are going to be on collision course. So yeah, there's exactly. a lot of teams can win it, that's for sure. Yeah. No, your thoughts, well. mate? Uh, um, the wise council? South Africa, I'd say. Probably more settled uh, and stronger. Um, know how they want to play. And I thought the November series, they were quite smart in that I think they developed a lot of players. So they've got a big squad now that are used to, you know, pressure games, which I think will help a lot come the World Cup. Uh, Kiwis, I'd say... Depends how much the players buy into Foster, I think. You know, um, capable of capable of anything, but it's you know, me- mentally, I think is there. It's probably more their game. Do they believe in what Foster's doing, and will Foster get them there? And then I think, like you've already mentioned, as far as the Aussies go, it just depends on what Jones does with them. You know, it could be brilliant, could be disaster. Yeah, I think. Um... Eddie has the All Blacks 
calling card though I have that that I know so that'll be interesting yeah, to see the true. Chinese <laughs> I think he wants to make a stamp yeah that'll be the game yeah I think it's been really interesting with uh, E. Jones being named as the as the um, Australian coach um, it's going to pay dividends or it isn't it's, it's not going to be you know by a small margin it's going to be by a big margin um, I think Australian rugby um, last year last year and the year before the last 18 months have played some excellent rugby in parts um, and then have sort of fallen away in other games which has been really disappointing and I know I think we all agree from sort of down south that a strong Australian team uh, is really good for uh, you know New Zealand rugby as well and they both it's just the relationship that works and and um, you're always you know from as an All Blacks fan you're always up for a Bledisloe Cup match all the time you know and you want them close and you want them tough and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how they go I was disappointed that Rennie got um, got moved on um, because he's he is a great coach, um, but sometimes getting buy-in from um, other cultures can be a little bit tough. Uh, and you know, time will tell. Um, he had the lowest win rate out of any Australian coach, and uh, it's a tough gig. You know, you you expect loads from your head coach from any any nation, and Australia is no different from New Zealand as well. You know. So I think I think um, Australia is going to upset some teams in the World Cup. Um, they've got some quality players. You know, it's just getting them in the right places at the right times. South Africa, I was really impressed with the way that they went through their autumn internationals. Um, they've always had the, you know, they won so the 2019 World Cup based on uh, their forward play and their power play and their defence. But some of the work they've been doing with their uh, back lines, because they've got some class players out in the backs. Uh, they've got Pace. They've got, you know, Wiley. Uh, the Kanyo arm reminds me a little bit of um, Conrad Smith. He just does everything right. You know, he's got a little bit of pace. He can just get through gaps. And they've got some, you know, really quick boys out on the back. And the one thing I didn't realise is Andre Pollard. I didn't realise he's six foot three. He's an absolute beast, you know. So uh, they've got the goods as well, and they're the incumbents. Um, they're going to be hard to stop. Uh, as, for, as for the All Blacks, um, I think Jason Ryan was a really good um, selection to go in there as coach for the for the Fords. I don't, and I, I think rugby at the moment is a bit um, fickle in the way that it moves people on and off you know, pretty quickly from a coaching point of view. So probably, you know, John Plumtree and um, and his cohort, they got moved out, you know, and a bit like um, Steve Borthwick and his new guys that have come in, you know, and all the other coaches have just gone straight away. It's, it's not necessarily the, the assistant coach's fault. You know, they haven't really done anything wrong, but I don't know whether... Um, for me, I'm not sure whether Foz is the right coach to take the team forward, but you know, the select the New Zealand rugby has made that decision, and everybody's get got to get behind it. So, 
I don't know. If they play well, if they defend well, go on it, jump in. Segway. Um, mate, you're talking about Foz and I'm not here to criticise Foz. I think he's a wonderful coach. Um, but it's more so Gats. And I'm just listening to how Gats is talking because obviously Fraser's uh, the guy on everyone's lips. And um, and Foz is there. But Gats has been like, talking him up, talking him up, talking him up. Uh, I got a uh, a theory, I suppose, or an opinion. I think Gats will take the Welsh to the World Cup um, and then he'll step back and become like director of Welsh rugby, um, get their systems and pathways sorted out. Um, and I think he would be talking to Razor um, pretty hard about coming and doing the Welsh job because if uh, that all that job, it'll be up and obviously Nate's going in for it. Um, and if Razor's sort of like fallen into that sort of like Robbie Dean's, you know, second horse type uh, scenario, um, if he's got a guy who wants him, um, he's going to open up a path for him and do all the pathways work and fix Welsh rugby. We all know uh, from our brief time with the Crusaders program what he's going to do um, in his man management and having that Gats Robertson. Um, you know, potential one and two in Welsh rugby. Um, if anyone's going to turn them around quickly for 2027, uh, I think it would be that. So that would be my hot take. Watch this space for for Gats, Wales, and Razor. Do you think? Um, I'm surprised no one's picked up Razor by by some nation. Oh look. Oh. On the Eddie Jones thing, but first, first and foremost, um, look, Razor, I would have loved if he came and coached Australia, but not at the expense of Dave Rennie. Uh, and um, I really liked him. Uh, I mean, I don't know him, but I really liked him as a coach. And not as good that's what a part of state the Australian rugby was in when uh, Dave Rennie took over. Um, but we don't really need to repeat all, all that. It was in a really bad state. And so he's got a 38%. Look who we play you guys in Zealand every year. And, um, you know, we've played the English and we've played the French. We've had to rebuild a team under this guy. But he's rebuilt the culture that the lads really aren't finished off the field. Uh, they, put a, they seem to carry themselves really well as a team. Like, although we might not have won a couple of times when, say, Fiji, oh, sorry, sorry, Billy, Argentina. Um, I forget the place where we played, but we played really, really poorly. And he called the lads out. Um, I thought we were actually heading the right way. Probably the area where I thought needed to improve on was just being ruthless. Uh, we're a team that had spirit, but we weren't ruthless. And that's full credit to Dave Rennie. If Mission Impossible is that Eddie comes in and you know our guys are lifting the, the Web Ellis Trophy, I really... Eddie says, I just want to thank Dave Rennie for what team he gave me. Yeah. Um, he, Dave Rennie, and I'm not going to check either, but Dave Rennie inherited a mess. Eddie Jones isn't inheriting a mess. He's inheriting a team that's starting to understand who they are and what they're about. And like I said, if Eddie's going to win it, there's an Aussie I want him to hear is to thank Dave Rennie for what he did to get that team to that, that level. So... No, who, who do you think is going to take out the World Cup then? Your your uh, pick. Who will win it? Um, 
France, if they hold a bottle, South Africa, possibly Famous. Ireland, but I think Ireland's final will be there getting to the semi. Yeah. Can't choose the Crusaders, so I'll go for the All Blacks. <laughs> well, you've been begging up everybody else, and then you turn around and say the All Blacks. <laughs> Nick? Yes, hello. You didn't let me talk about the South. Oh, priority. <laughs> Who do you are you going to Nicky choosing uh, Irish to take it out or French? Uh, I would pick um, I, I the Irish to the whole thing. Um, and look, South Africa will obviously be down there about as will New Zealand. And look, our lads will, will really push a few sides. Um, I am, and I'm not saying this because Billy's here, I'm very wary of Fijians. You guys are obviously aware of Fiji and Drua, uh, which has been playing Super Rugby Pacific. They had a trial yesterday against the Melbourne Rebels. I think they beat them 24-0. Uh, yeah. Very, very good coach here at Newburn. Um, um, he's a very, very, very good coach. Seeing the right things that seem to be happening in Fiji. And I'd be worried if uh, I keep a big eye on Fiji and... I'm sure Gats is as well with the Welsh boys because I just don't think it's going to be like 2019 where it's 50, 60 minutes of good Fijian rugby and then we kind of get them at the end. I think it's going to be... Yeah, um, yeah it's going to be much, much better. Go on, Phil, you say that Fiji are going to win the World Cup. I would love to see it, um, but then we have a lot of other stuff to get to get sorted before that can happen. Um, yeah. But then, um, um, in all honesty, I think the, the, the French look like the team uh, to win um, for me. Uh, the English, I want them to capitulate so we get reason for 2024. <laughs> Next, uh, they offer him a lot, of money, a lot of money, a lot of pounds. And get him across, yeah. But then um, I think it's the French, the All Blacks. You can never count the All Blacks out. Um, always be in that mix, South Africa. But um, I agree with Nick on the on the Wallabies. Eh? Um, there was a surprise about the agreement because of the team that he inherited. Yeah. Um, but we'll see what Eddie can do. Um, if he can uh, prove everyone wrong, which I think he'll he'll do. He'll try and do. But yeah, definitely the French um, and the Irish. But if also if the French get the that big uh, someone born Australian lock that plays for Toulouse, I've been watching him play. Yeah, if they get him into the French team for the Six Nations World Cup. That boy is a big boy. He uses his body really well. Well, I'm going to go France. Um, I think it's their time to shine. They don't have, you know, they've had the opportunity over the years and they've lucked out 87 in the World Cup final with us, um, you know, and then um, was it 2011 uh, in Auckland again? Uh, they're home, they're massive, their defence is excellent and um, they've, got, they've got the ability. I'd like to, I would, I think it'd be great for World Rugby for them to win. Um, so, and I'd I'd like to see the the um, the Fijians get through to semis. 
uh, and just come through as underdogs. Uh, but you know the 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 mainstays will be there or thereabouts. It just depends who turns up. Some for some their their final will be the you know getting into the last four, uh, like England did last or like we did last year. Or you know England beat us in twenty nineteen and couldn't make it to the final. Um, but it's pretty strategic, isn't it? You know the that four year cycle uh, has become a lot smaller these days. It's in years gone by. It was just. Uh, Seem like World Cup took ages to come around to, but it's not. Sorry, Nick, you go on. No, no, mate, I just um, covered what all these um, uh, teams, uh, maybe we should just talk about our Smokies. And um, uh, a team that I would not want to play is Michael Check in Argentina. Yeah. Um, and they've just, they've done us all, haven't they? Uh, um, they have. And uh, people like to laugh at Check and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, I mean, he's the ultimate competitor as far as I'm concerned. And he might he, uh, remember when uh, Pablo was talking about Czech during our course. And he just, yeah, he's a, he, is, he is authentic as, and what you see is what, he, what you're going to get. And he's getting some results for his lab. So that would be my art. If we're talking Smokies, I don't know, I brought up it, but I just thought it would um, be worth mentioning um, some of these who our Smokies are and wants to. Argentina. Yeah, well, they skinned us last weekend in Hamilton uh, in the seventh. So, so they, 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 they graft, don't they? They fight. You know, they always have. I, I, I'm impressed by them always, anytime. And he's a good coach. You know, he gets the best out of his players. He never gives in. And you'd think that he's been on speaking to the ref during the game. You know, he's that passionate, and that's what you want. Sorry, Philly, you were going to say? I was just with the Argentinians. Um, Physicality-wise, like if you you lose touch with the, the physicality at the breakdown, or how they just are physical, especially in the forwards, you lose touch with them throughout the entire game. You have to match them. They want probably 90 minutes. And with uh, what Nick said, Ateca is uh, swirling everyone around this time around. I thought the Twickenham game was going to be a, a walkover for England, but it wasn't. <laughs> they walked over the English. Oh, what are your thoughts, mate? Uh, well, Czech and Argentina, uh, I think they he, he suits them in terms of, I think you've mentioned that passion side of things. I think it's just a perfect match in a lot of ways, is that? And it's, can they control that to, to perform is their question, I think. Um, I came across him he was in with Leinster for two years whilst I was over in Ireland and like he he just transformed the way they they their whole organisation you know took them from being a very much a big social side to being actually a serious rugby side and, and drove them so I think it, I say I think it's the perfect match for some like Argentina you know that they, they, they seem to thrive you can see a lot with them. They thrive on their passion side of the game, and I think he's perfect for that, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Hey, let's um, let's have a look at uh, a couple of other things now. So let's go into resilience, guys. Um, from your point of view, just touch on sort of, you know, what you think resilience means to you, uh, whatever context uh, you want to use it with, and, um, you know, maybe some of the work that you've done with people, with coaches, 
with other coaches and a support role, even with parents. Who wants to kick us off? Hamish does. Excellent, Hamish. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> I was just trying try to find the Oxford Dictionary for resilience, see what see what it meant. But um, I don't know. For me personally, it probably on a personal level, it's it's um, meeting meeting challenges or headwinds and still staying on on the on the course that you set. Um, and it's not not always easy, you know. It's um, and and the challenges can come from anywhere, and I expect it then come any time. I can be yeah. Big, big wins or all other wins, but having a having a having the um, courage or tenacity to keep heading where you think what where your values lie, you know, towards that, and 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 not changing who you are, even even the stress coming on. I don't know. I've gone a long way around, but for me personally, that's probably probably how I view resilience. Excellent. Who wants to jump in next then? Or do you want to carry on? Carry on, Hamish. Oh, carry on me. Yeah. And I guess I guess when I'm coaching um players or dealing with players and talking to them, I'm trying to build resilience by one of the things I picked up on the Crusaders course was the what ifs. So with my leadership group, I bring brought that in and we discuss the what ifs. What if what if this happens in a game of rugby and what if this happens? And what are your options? And, and that's a big one. I love having options and a plan. You know, so this plan didn't work. We'll try something else, you know, but we still stay head, head towards where we're trying to get to. So I find discussing challenges that might come up is a useful tool. You know, getting them thinking around, you know, and their, their, their ideas hopefully will be completely different to what mine were, but as long as they're thinking about it, so when a challenge does hit them, they've got some some confidence to move forward. Nice, I like it. No, um, well, uh, I suppose two, two things from coaching side of things. Like, uh, real, real quick story: when I started with the ladies back in sort of end of July, August time, first thing I said to them is, "I don't care about results." Um, we just want to get better. Second game of the season, we lost 102 nil to a team. And they were probably some of the happiest players I'd, I'd met afterwards. You know, and we played that same team three weeks ago and we lost 33-12 to them. Uh, and so one of the spectators of the club came to me afterwards and says, looking at the two teams after the game, it looked like we'd won the game because we were just a happy team, whereas the other team were getting a mouthful for not putting more points on us. And like that, that 102 scoreline during that game, I spent a lot of time like behind the sticks, just chatting away with the fullback and just saying, it's a lovely sunny day, isn't it? You know, let's just concentrate. You know, I might, I might actually get the sun cream out and stuff like that, you know? And it was like, don't worry about, we make mistakes. Like we have, probably six girls have maybe got more than 12 months worth of rugby and the rest of them are brand new to it. And it's like, you're going to get days like this, but what do you learn from it? And then when we had that return fixture, they were actually sort of saying, you know, this is how we want to play this game. This is how we want to do stuff. And they just went out and did it. And it was like, you chat to them afterwards and like say that 
they were over the moon with their performance afterwards, you know, and I say it's like, forget the results. You're going to get challenges. It's, I think like Amy said, you know, how do you deal with those challenges when they come to you and give them those, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this works? Why not do that? You know, and I don't put any pressure on them in terms of you've got to win, you've got to win, you've got to win or anything like that. You know, it's like, as long as you learn something from it, happy days, you know, yeah. learn from it. You know, personally, um, probably some sort of thing. I, I'm a pretty laid back kind of a person and that a lot of times work-wise is counted against me because particularly like with the Opsman management, they want strong vocal leaders and I wouldn't be like that, but I'd be quite good with people, I think. Um, and that's counted against you a lot of the times. But I think for, for me, it's like stay true to yourself and just believe and carry on. You know, you, you will you will get there because you're true to yourself as opposed to, uh, I don't know, trying to be somebody else or trying to be something that somebody else wants. You know, and coaching-wise, that's always like served me well, you know, a, you get a lot of players will come and talk to you once you're like that with them. They'll come and open up to you a lot, which is great because you can get to find out, let's say, what they're like and communicate that suits them kind of thing and get them to do things that maybe they they don't quite want to do or they didn't never quite understand, things like that, you know. And it's, I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. You know, you know, what if that does work? There was a... Fantastic interview when O'Gara was at the Crusaders a few years back. He was on, I think, is it 104 FM or something, the radio show? Him and Robertson, they, they had an interview uh, and Robertson actually said, you know, when, when O'Gara went down there, he had the Northern Hemisphere mindset. And like O'Gara just said, the biggest light bulb moment for him was halfway through a game when Robertson just turned around. And says, I think they were on about putting, chucking a load of young kids into a game. And Robertson just turned around and said, yeah, but what if it works? You know, and O'Gara was like, oh, I never thought of that. And, and I think it's just having that mindset. It's like, don't put pressure on them to perform, but just say to them, look, back, your, back yourselves, do this, do that. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, learn from it. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, Nelson Mandela. You're either winning or you're learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of his or, or, lo or losing by 102 points, yeah. Hey, you, <laughs> you lost by less than 70. Well, the, it, it was interesting because the, the, the final chat before we played them like on the, after Thursday training was, you know, if, if we only lose by 50, that's, you know, that, that's a good 50-point turnaround in our favour. Yeah. 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 As it was, I think we, had, we ended up on some like 70, 80-point turnaround. So it was like they were over the moon with that. Definitely. You know, it's, it's all about context, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Nick, Philly, who wants to jump in next, boys? Uh, I'll, I'll Nick, you go first. Thanks, Phil. Uh, I think all the other lads have, have touched on it. Um, you don't know if you're winning. Uh, winning doesn't bring resilience, what I think. Um, you, you know, you find out if, res if you're resilient when things are apparently the wrong way, but the boys touched on it. Um, the first, if you go into a patch, you can't take it personally. I think as a coach, if you think it's a reflection of you as a person or you as a coach or whatever, you just got to get that mindset out. And the first mindset is, is well, what am I learning from yeah. this? Uh, you know, the learning experience 
of what you're going through. But that's got to be, um, it just can't be that mindset on, on its own. I find, um, and the boys also mentioned it, um, it's got to be coupled with your values. Um, if you see your values and just, you know, back yourself, thank you to the players, but even as a case, just back that these are my values. Uh, I'm going to stay true to them, uh, but I keep myself open to learn from whatever it is I'm supposed to learn from this experience we're going through without getting off the track of who you are as a person and a coach and just keep ploughing through. You'll get there, but there's a third element that I, I think is also involved in. It's, um, just some, get some perspective. Like, um, we're not really playing for expectations here, and sometimes um, you see some guys, like community-level coaches, uh, it's like they're prepping for the, the World Cup or something like that. And we all want to do well and we want our guys to win. And, you know, I, I can tell you, I'm guilty of sometimes being a little bit too, you know, in the moment. Some players and ex-players can tell you. I have a, I have a ferocious temper at times, uh, but only when it's required, I think. Um, so I think getting some perspective and just realising it's a game of rugby, it's not a death, but... Um, if you're going to get down about losing a game of rugby or having a bad season, um, just reach back into your DNA and just go, um, my people have probably fought wars, famines, um, travelled to the other side of the world, and you're here, pardon my French, losing your shit over a game of rugby. Just get some perspective. Yeah. Um, so keep everything in perspective and be open to learn and you'll be as resilient as you need to be. Um, that's my wise, wise words. Wise words. Yes. I think from um, from my context, from where, uh, where we're at uh, in Fiji, I think probably resilience for me personally um, would be helping our boys. Um, the majority of the boys that play in our club, uh, they're unemployed, Unemployed in the sense whereby they uh, they did finish high school, so they have a good command of English. But it's just being able to um, to commit to something, to commit to a job or to commit to a goal. And um, in that process, in using rugby to get them to be able to incorporate the the values of rugby that we use in our club to help them. Um, put goals in so that they can uh, have some structure in the way they do things. Because most of them, um, when they do come, um, they're either, they don't have jobs or they're in and out of jobs because we need them to have jobs so that they can support their the way we play. Because we play amateur rugby back here. Yeah. We don't pay our players. Um, but uh, the Fijian player is very committed. So when a Fijian player is happy, or well, he'll do anything for you. Um, but when he's not happy, he's very quiet, um, head down. So that's why for us, uh, coming into what we learned from the Crusaders course, is very, uh, and I think both Nick Hamish and, uh, and David picked on that um, we have to get our players to express themselves, to conversate and just be resilient in that matter so that they don't think that um, if they share us, if they share with us uh, or share with me something that I will not appreciate it because in our culture basically the coach talks you do it so it's just being resilient in that matter where they uh, they get to learn to 
to take the responsibility upon themselves to be able to to play the game not only the way we want them to play, but also play it the way they want to play um, when they come up against a defensive pattern yeah, in that way. And then after they, and then, then taking those learnings and then sitting with them and after we've built the relationship with them where we can uh, talk to them on issues outside rugby, yeah. then we can use the same model for them to use in, uh, in their own personal lives. Uh, so we've been currently sending players to, uh, I think, to New Zealand. I think some are leaving for Southland tomorrow. So they're going because they're having a job exchange program where they work at the butcher and play as well. So with these boys, we've worked on um, so that they can thrive in that environment whereby they don't, they're not quiet. So it's just being resilient enough to work with them for like one and a half years and not being overwhelmed by um, some of them are a bit more difficult to work with because of the backgrounds they come from. But it's just making sure that, um, like uh, Nick said, just like we believe in the set of values that we have and we work them, th uh, work them through it slowly so that they understand that it, when, they are, when they set goals in place, um, they can achieve them. Because most of the boys we have, their goal is just to come to training. Um, Billy, I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump in there because you may, you raise a really interesting point, and I know the the other four of us, um, you know, we come from sort of different backgrounds, but sort of for the boys back home, for them it's work, isn't it? You know, it's an opportunity yeah. to, and for the guys yeah. that we're probably involved with in New Zealand, Australia, and, and the UK, you know, every, the majority of guys have been working. You know, they've either got families or they they're lucky they've been brought up and had the opportunity to play um whereas your boys sort of the majority aren't working if they're going to be coming overseas the language is not their first language so they're probably learning that um they won't be that good at speaking english will they so there's a whole lot of different things that um, your boys yeah you know, are trying to overcome even even whilst they're yeah. and then moving forward. So, yes, uh, that's true, Craig. Uh, for us, uh, they know how to speak English. It's conversational. Eh? So, like for me, because of the background where I come from, I've uh, met a lot of different people, travelled and stuff. I'm able to express myself in speaking eh? and not be afraid of uh, of saying we call it in Fiji broken English. For us, English is very important. Yeah. Okay? You have to, because we learn it from ice, from primary school right up to high school at uh, 18 years old. So the boys, most of them, they don't have a proper command of it. They can understand it. They understand it really well. But it's just being able to conversate. Eh? So it's just uh, getting them to be able to to hear what, they, what the coaches are saying and respond in a way they can respond. Because the coaches, uh, we tell them the coaches overseas, they just want you to respond to know how you're doing things, how, how things are going. Eh? They can speak English, but it's just getting over that, that barrier because um, most of the time when they do come to us, um, they've been spoken down, down on, eh? like down upon. So most of the time their, their confidence level is really low. So now with our academy, because we're bringing them up right from under nines and uh, through our junior academy from under 14s. That's one of the things we're working really hard on 
is wow. for them to talk, uh, to conversate back with us so that they can they can be able to articulate their thoughts about the things. But if they can't, um, unable to, to describe or, or, or say anything or express their views, then it's very hard to, to understand or know, or know what they want. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, do we going to say something, Hamish? Oh. I think um, so. From a couple of things that I've learned over the last twelve months is that, uh, you know, like Nick said, gaining perspective. I think when you coach, doesn't matter what you what capacity you coach in. Um, it's a privileged position to be able to lead a group of whatever it looks like. You know, it could be a team at work or it could be um, a team of players. It could be juniors, women's, men's. And it comes with a lot of responsibilities. So perspective and and uh, being able to give as much as you can is, you know, really, really important. And the fact that you're always learning, um, you know, if we all had the answers, then, uh, you know, life would be a bit boring. Uh, but it's, again, it's about perspective. I found when, in my experience in 2022, um, with a, a number of things that have gone on, um, I had, my perspective had changed for a number of reasons that somewhere in my control and somewhere out of my control. And I had... Um, lost that connection with the playing group that I was with. And this is me speaking up. I haven't really spoken to many people about it. Um, and what the players needed from me and what I was able to provide them had changed. And that was because I was focused on trying to get a number of other things set in place um, to help support them. And as a result of that, um, you know, I was asked to move on. And when I started to reflect on that um, and to understand how could I have done things better, I think my resilience would have been sort of finding those, um, having that support network in place a lot earlier um, and having sort of like a mentor that you could bounce ideas off um, on a regular basis. So if you've got um, challenges that you're going through, there's somebody that you can knock on, you know, and in all honesty, I could have probably spoke with Noel as well because um, we've known each other for a long, long time. And these things happen, and it's not until you reflect on what's gone on that you start to build an, an idea of, oh, shit, that happened. I can do this differently next time, and I would do this differently next time. you know. Um, and so for me, it's about you know coming up against a challenge, moving through the challenge, adapting to the circumstances that are around you, being better prepared and then moving on forward. Um, so that was my learning for, for 2022. I remember listening to a story about the bull and the, the buffalo and the cow. I don't know if you guys have heard about it. So it's pretty simple. When a storm's coming, um, a buffalo will run towards a storm straight into it. and It'll go straight through it and the cow will turn around and run the other way. And so it must be hardwired into the buffalo's DNA that they will always approach the storm and go straight through it because they know that they will go through it, get through it quicker than 
you know, if they turn around and run the other way. Whereas the cow thinks they're running away to get away from it, and then it catches up with them and they're still in it, you know, and they can't figure out how long they're going to be in it. So from a human point of view, I think sometimes a lot of people may turn around and run the other way, you know, trying to avoid it. But actually, the best thing is to deal with it and uh, it helps you to get through the challenge quicker. So if you were a, if there was one thing that you would recommend to, um, to other coaches about being resilient or um, being able to manage their situation better, what would you say? Go on, Noel. You're on mute. No, you're on mute. Were you just miming? No. Go on, Hamish, jump in. Good question, Craig. Good question. Um, I don't know, I think perspective, like Nick said before, is a big thing, you know, and also the mindset around if you're in a tough tough position, you, that's, a, that's, a, that's an opportunity to learn and to grow and to have another crack. You can't change what's done, but you can change what you're going to do in the future. I'm, I'm big on that, you know, like that's done. How, how did it come? How, you know, was it good? Was it bad? Was it different? But where are we going and how do we get there? And, and, it's all, and, and the tough times are the best opportunities for learning, really. That's when, you, that's when you'll have a good look at what, what happened and what you can do different. So take it as an opportunity to learn and to grow and develop. Yeah, cool. Philly, um, just to give us a, your thoughts on how you can help a... Um, we'll go with player. Now, how you can help your players build resilience. I know you've already touched on it, but there may be some key takeaways. Yeah. Um, I'll just give an example. Um, I basically, um, I focus on the forwards in the team I'm, I'm with. It. So the, the front rows uh, were the tight fives. Eh? The front rows, basically, they hate to run. Eh? They hate to do the runs after. The, so we call it uh, ice cream. So everyone gets to have ice cream after the game where they run. They do fat leg run. So the boys they hate the especially the front rows. Eh? So I always tell them, um, see, it's better you knock out running than you get knocked out in a scrum, eh? because no one will uh, during the game will remember you knocking out if you ran and you fainted. Mm -hmm. Everyone will remember you as a prop who got who gets pushed back when you are when you're in the scrum. Yeah. So um, the game we played last Saturday was our first warm up game. Um, are we. At the end of the game, the the props that I had came and uh, and and were really happy with their game. And I told them that analogy that I had used, um, so that they won't give up. So I think it's it's getting to know your players and, and teaching them um, never to give up. No matter if you are if you're a prop asked to jump in a lineup, you you have to give them self belief that uh, that they can do it eh? because they'll be the ones doing it. Not me, so I'll just tell them uh, it's, uh, I'm not, I won't be there to push a scrum. I won't be there. I'll help you fix it at halftime, but you have to be able to know what's wrong. Talk to your teammates and 
fix it in real time at the ground uh, during the game. So one of the other big things with uh, resilience is knowing your your the players that play for you. I think Noel touched touched on that. Like uh, to know your players, eh? you have to know your your coaching staff. You have to take the time to know them. So that when the hard times comes, you won't um, stick together because you are coach and player. You stick together because you uh, have a relationship with each other. That you uh, have uh, have mutual respect. So that um, when you when fast when you blow the whistle to have ice cream at the end of the game, at the end of the training session, all of them run to the goal line because they know that um, everyone gets a full serve. So yeah, so as a front row, that's basically it's probably the way I put it. Um, just have to get them to have the self belief to run and never give up, and don't get pushed back. In Hamish never gets pushed back. In never got pushed back. Nick, do you want to cover off uh, any uh, takeaways to uh, feel like a parent? Yeah, look, I. Um... Uh, I felt in the under-20 space before, um, and I found one of the things we did um, at the course was about those parents who appear to be pushing their child into the game for uh, a vic- some vicarious reason, and the child's kind of reluctant. So if I was a parent listening to this, just back off. Um, let the kid develop, let the young lady, let the young man just develop themselves, because that's why we put our kids into sport. Um, as a way of learning how to be a human being um, and learn the values of it. And it's we've had our time uh, playing whatever we played, whether it's rugby or whatever. Um, it's not our time. Um, so I'd say to the parents out there, you can bring so much love and care, which is so important, but that love and care has to be shown by letting go and letting these kids uh, evolve uh, as, as humans because they're, they're going to be our society in the next 10 to 15 years, and if we can teach them those great values through sport, let go. They don't need to come to mum and dad and ask questions of mum and dad. They don't need to come and ask me why little Jimmy ain't getting picked because I don't mind being very honest with them. Um, and I don't care what school you went to. I don't care who your dad is. I don't care. I just just let that kid turn up. And if he's bringing all those values that I like, um, there's all, he or she will always get a start. So that would be my advice to parents. Just, just be, just back off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, jump in. No, 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 Lee. Yeah. Can you hear me again? <laughs> Welcome. <Yeah. laughs> um, what was I say? But what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> but best thing for me would be like chuck yourself into a different culture. Like I say, moving to Ireland getting coaching out there was a massive eye-opener, you know, totally, completely different attitude, particularly when I ended up in Trinity. I, I'd say I probably spent the first season there, so I was banging my head going, what on earth are you doing? Because I was, it's 2003, so I was so used to, like, that English way of playing. And, like, it was an English guy in charge, but he had the mindset of the, the Australian Kiwis, ball in hand and play rugby, you know? And it was like, they, these young students just running the ball from here, there and everywhere. And I was like, no, kick to the corners and everything else, you know. But you saw the the other side of that. It was like the players were just so engaged and loved doing it, you know. And it was like, maybe there's something in this. So I was like, uh, I'd say any coach, you know, just 
go to another country and coach somewhere else. You know, it's just your way is not the only way and what you know is not the only way. And then and tying in with a bit like what you just talked about, Nick, it was a um, university side, so you'd have a lot of parents around. And uh, there was quite a chunk of time sort of getting a chat to some of those parents and just say, back off and just leave them, just let them be, you know, because they're capable, you know, they are good players. They don't need you roaring at them, you know, you know, and get to a point with like a lot of them is, even with a, a good few of the players I teach now, it's like, I tell them you're only allowed to say positive things to each other. You're not allowed to say anything negative and like instantly changes the atmosphere, the whole atmosphere of the team. You know, if all you ever do is you can only praise things, you know, and it's like you get rid of that negativity and people browbeating beating each other or beat parents, beat other players or wherever, stuff like that. It just creates a, such a better atmosphere with, with players and teams. I've got an example, now of a club that I used to coach. Um, I'm personal friends with two of the players um, and their dads, um, and I don't coach at that club anymore. Um, and I've had to have with one particular player who was our captain, and I adore the kid, or young man, or he, you know, but I had to drop him um, because representative players were coming back and it's just the way it was, and it was a tough conversation. But because his dad, you know, he raised a good young man who had dealt with a lot of adversity, uh, was a very resilient young man already. And uh, so the dad understood the process that was going on and he was almost like a partner in having the teach to deliver this tough blow. So there's some parents who really do get it yeah. and they're, they're almost partners in what you're doing and they realise their role. Um, and there's another, another dad who's defend, raised a fantastic young man as a son. Um, and just a natural leader as a guy and um, yeah. a pleasure to, to have around. And there's others because their kid had been at a scholarship and all this sort of stuff. They're just used to being the first team. They're used to winning. They're used to having the red carpet treatment. And you get to a point where that stops and it's usually club rugby. Um, and that's where you, you figure out, shit, um, I'm not a hero anymore. I'm, I'm one of the group working hard and, the resilience ain't there um, because they've never had to be resilient because it was all given to them. Um, and you're watching this episode of this young person's life evolve and the best thing you can do is just sit there and say, well, fuck it, this is what's happening, mate, and deal with it and you'll come out the other side. But if you want to walk off and try another club or go wins to someone, um, I'll see you back here in a couple of hours because you're going nowhere. And that's, that's the nature of it. I think um, so. I've got a couple of stories. Um, when I was working the police back home, I remember a number of times having to go down to the local pub, and in the little town that I lived in, uh, it was pretty dodged. Um, and we used to be we'd work one up, and nearest um, back up was about 15, 20 minutes away. And so if we had to go and lock somebody up at the who was down at the pub causing trouble, um, we would get in contact with um, family. And so one of the family members would come down to the pub with us, go and pull them out, and then we'd take him through and process them. I couldn't have gone to the pub on my own uh, because I would have got an absolute pasting. So, 
you're right, Nick, you can get, if you get the right people on side to help deliver that message, it works really well. Really, really well. And the other, the other um, thing that I was going to say is that um, John Quinn, who I interviewed, um, and for those that don't know, uh, John has been a mental skills coach for the Crusaders for a long, long time. Um, also with the um, New Zealand Bowls uh, at Com Commonwealth Games. Now, I interviewed John in episode eight. It was really interesting. He was talking about COVID and when the, the teams weren't able to play with um, crowds there, and they absolutely loved it, you know, because there was no grief being given to players. There was no grief being given to referees or officials and the likes. Um, it was a breath of fresh air. And the other thing that he was commented on is exactly what you said before about parents who go the other way and that they just want to get involved. And during COVID, these teams were playing the high school and the parents weren't allowed in. And they were ringing up John saying, I need to get in. I need to be watching. I've got to be there. He goes, you know, just leave them. Let them play. That's why they call it a game. You know, just enjoy it. It just goes back to the reason why we all start playing to start with, because it's fun. It's a way to express yourself and it's a way to learn new skills. And sometimes we can, in the heat of the moment, um, we can lose sight of that sometimes, but, you know, that's the way it is. Look, I think we'll, um, we're in hour 25 then. Um, time's gone really quick. <laughs> What's the score, Hamish? We won 38 nil. Oh, nice. One from one from two. Um, How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> any uh, any final thoughts before we um we wrap up? Hit the nail on the head, mate. It's gotta be fun. If it's not fun, why would anybody do it? Yeah. yeah. To, uh, to any coach or player, um, don't be afraid to take the next step, as daunting as it might be. Um, take get up, take the next step. Because uh, the moment you stop, stop stepping, it's over. Um, so it doesn't matter how tough it is, just take the next step. And, and the final thing is, the hardest competitor you will face is you, um, because at the end of the day, you're the one who makes the ultimate decision to stop. Uh, you busted, injured, whatever. Shut out the white noise, refocus, and you make the decision for you. Um, and just surround. With, with good people and go out the white and always take the next step and just keep going. Uh, you'll come out of it somewhere. So thanks very much for having me on. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's good fun. Miss you, any, anything you want to add? I think, I think Nick's got a gym there, so I couldn't I couldn't add to that. That was great. So just enjoyed being part of it. And, um, yeah, nah, happy days, guys. Enjoy it. I think um, from my point of view, you can be involved in rugby in different ways. And one of the things that's really um, I've been proud of during the, uh, the podcasting is that um, I got a message from one of the uh, guys who's following me on Twitter and he's got back involved in rugby after being out, you know, back in coaching again, just because of what he'd listened to and, you know, the stuff that we're doing. So Sometimes your involvement can be in different ways, you know, and supporting the game in different forms. Um, so that's been a win-win for me. But I agree, you know, 
do it, get stuck in bowl, get stuck in, and just enjoy it because there's loads to loads to give. Obviously, Philly's bored. He's gone. Uh, <laughs> look, guys, um, thank you all for tuning in today. Thanks for your input. And uh, I would love to be able to do this again sometime in the future because it's great connecting. I really enjoy it. Yeah, Cheers, mate. Thanks, Cheers, boys. Thanks, guys.